the Scarab Archives. Hello? Is this thing on? Okay. I trust that this antique is recording. Let's see. Before we get started here, I suppose I should provide some kind of small introduction for posterity's sake. This is Hadley Clark. I'm a research assistant for the Lazarus Foundation, currently assigned to Dr. Gordon Stewart's requisition department. I've been in requisitions for about two years now, making me the highest ranking member of the team besides Dr. Stewart himself. The usual caretaker here in the Scarab Archives, Dr. East, has requested a leave of absence following the, let's call it, unfortunate passing of the intern Isabella Thalo. So, to ensure that the updating of the records doesn't fall too far behind schedule, Dr. Stewart has instructed me to continue in whatever form or fashion Dr. East was doing this himself. It appears that in the absence of Dr. East's digital recording equipment, he has opted to use this... this truly archaic piece of technology. How quaint. Seriously, this man has his quirks. Anyway, Dr. Stewart, if you're listening to this... I will be going over these other tapes as soon as I get the chance. Uh, Dr. East, unsurprisingly, has already shown a remarkable level of disregard for his place in the Foundation, as I'm sure you're aware. There's honestly no telling what sort of undermining comments he's made in these other recordings, so I think it might be worth checking out. Maybe it's even enough to see to his termination. And then perhaps we could place someone more, I don't know, qualified in charge of the Scarab Archives. I don't know. Just a thought. Anyway, I suppose I should get started. So the item on today's docket, let's see. Ah, oh, what a shame. It looks like Dr. East was looking forward to covering this himself. Looks like this item is a brand new addition to the archives, and it was only recently released from the research division, so since Dr. East isn't here, it now falls to me to ensure that these historical notes are properly listed and cited. No mistakes will be had here today. Alright, so... Case file L836. Designation, The Skeleton. The skeleton stands at just over six feet tall and shares the standard definition of the skeletal structure of the average human male. The figure is mounted on a system of wires that allow it to remain in a standing position. Two small red light bulbs sit inside the eye sockets of the skull. Peering into the nasal cavity, there is a small space where additional equipment can be mounted. The skeleton is attached to a wooden structure of the same height. The structure is three feet deep and enclosed, with just enough space that a person could stand comfortably inside. There is a door in the back that leads inside, where one may find a microphone at the same approximate height as the skeleton's mouth. The skeleton's origins can be traced back to 1930, when socialite Helene Adelaide Shelby put forward a patent for an apparatus to be used in obtaining criminal confessions. According to the patent, the police would put the suspect into a darkened room where they would then be confronted by what appeared to be a human skeleton with glowing red eyes. The skeleton would then question the suspect with a voice transmitted through the mouth from the interrogator in the chamber behind it. A small camera was to be mounted and concealed in the nasal cavity to record confessions of the terrified suspects. Miss Shelby put forward in the patent that she believed the criminal element to be such a superstitious and cowardly bunch that the appearance of a ghoulish figure would be all that was needed to get them to confess their sins. 
It should go without saying that Miss Shelby was what they called in those days old money, and clearly had no firm grasp on how ordinary people worked. All this is common knowledge, a matter of public record, but what is less known, however, is what happened after she filed her patent. It seems that there was one police department who was made aware of Miss Shelby's invention and didn't find the whole thing ridiculous. In fact, they found the whole thing so intriguing, they actually built a prototype. It was the police department of a small Wisconsin town called Leonard's Creek that scraped together the necessary funds to build the prototype skeleton. The contraption was completed in April of 1933, though never fully put together. Try as they might, the department was never able to acquire a camera small enough to fit inside the skull. The opportunity to try out the skeleton came just a month later, when the department picked up a young man named Jimmy King on suspicion of burglary. There had been a string of break-ins in Leonard's Creek, and the unfortunate Mr. King had been apprehended near the scene of the latest incident. Mr. King, it seems, was a drifter. He had no ties with anyone in the local community, so he was an obvious suspect, despite his denials and claims that he was simply passing through. The department saw this as the perfect opportunity to try out their new toy, so Mr. King was placed in an interrogation room that was quickly plunged into total darkness. He was alone. Alone, that is, save for the skeleton. Within minutes, Mr. King was screaming to be let out, begging for salvation. He confessed at once that he had indeed been responsible for the string of burglaries. Not only that, but he also claimed responsibility for a number of thefts in adjacent towns and the arson of a bank three years prior. It seemed to all involved that the skeleton was a tremendous success, until they realized that no one had been assigned to control the machine. Indeed, after thoroughly searching both the room and the cabinet, no sign could be found of anyone who might have operated the skeleton to such a wonderful effect. Mr. King was no use. He attempted to hang himself in his cell that evening, and was soon committed to a state psychiatric hospital. To the end of his days, he maintained that not only had the skeleton spoken to him, but it had known things about him. It had whispered to him of not only his past crimes, but his transgressions from childhood. But it hadn't stopped there. It told him how his father had died and how, at that very instant, his tortured soul was lurking just behind his shoulder. So perturbed were the police that they boxed up the prototype at once and placed it into storage. And it remained there until three months ago when the Lazarus Foundation took possession following a liquidation sale of old department property. The modern police force of Leonard's Creek were quite embarrassed of the skeleton and its history and sold the piece for a song. Despite extensive testing, the Lazarus Foundation has found nothing overtly paranormal or supernatural in regards to the skeleton. At the very least, its history denotes it as an item of interest worthy of inclusion in the Scarab Archives. The skeleton is hereby classified with no connection to any open case file. So, I guess this concludes this audio recording. This is Hadley Clark, signing off. What was that? Is anyone else in here? Dr. East? I'm here, Hadley. Hadley. (laughs) Oh, okay. The voice appears to be coming from the skeleton. Is that you, Dr. East? Somehow I really don't think Dr. Stewart would approve of you using the relics in the archives for some childish prank, so you should probably cut it out. How's Shirley Hadley? What? East... 
Look, I don't know what you're up to, but this is getting really creepy, so please stop. You haven't called her in quite a while. Too busy rising through the ranks, are we? East, this isn't funny. Shirley was always more than a neighbor when you were growing up, wasn't she, Hadley? Almost like a second mother at times. She misses you. Or rather, she did miss you. She tried calling you last week, didn't she? But you were in a meeting. You told yourself you'd call her back later. But of course, you forgot, didn't you? East, this whole thing is being recorded thanks to this stupid tape recorder of yours. Dr. Stewart will have your job, I promise you that. She called because she'd fallen in the tub, broken her hip. It took her hours to crawl to the phone. By the time she'd reached it, she didn't realize just how much the trip had done a number on her heart. She didn't realize that she didn't have time to make two phone calls. Instead of calling for help when she had the chance, she tried to call you. She wanted to tell you how proud she was of you. Okay, East, that's enough. I don't know where you're getting any of this from, but you're sick. Stop this. But you didn't pick up. She passed out before the ringing even stopped. She never woke up again. She's still there, you know. No one's been to check on her. Her body is still there, twisted and swelling. Her body's there, but the rest of her isn't. East, just stop! The rest of her is right there, behind you. Oh, for crying out loud, East, just stop now! What the hell was that? God, enough of this, East. You're done after this, I swear. But that, this, this is impossible. There's nobody in here. If this thing, if this, oh God, Shirley, please, no. No.